This episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by Clinic Gym Connect. Just go to clinicgymconnect.com to learn more. But Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication system that you can use in your clinic to grow. All growth has to start around communication and Clinic Gym Connect makes that easy. With two-way text-based communication, the ability to send out review links, the ability to wow your patients, provide great customer service, follow up more efficiently, faster, and using the method of communication your patients are already using, which is text messaging. You can learn more again at clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm joined today by uh, the the biggest brain in all of sports and uh, strength and conditioning, Ben Lee. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well, Josh. You know, up here in Toronto, you know, nice little uh, cool day today. Um, COVID restrictions are being lifted off. So, you know, everyone's happy about that. Uh, but yeah, how about you? How's everything going? I'm I'm good. I'm over here in Las Vegas, and yesterday was 115. So I think we uh, took any exposed coronaviruses and just burned them in the uh, pits of hell with how hot it's been over the last five days. So we're we're essentially operating in a sterile environment just from the heat. I think. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Ben, I'm excited to have you on today and talk about your product, which is Fortius Labs. Um, you know, you approached me a couple months ago and shared it, and it certainly has gone through some incredible updates and whatnot. But um, uh, before we get to that, let's tell everybody a little bit about like your background and and how you got into what I'm going to just loosely call movement analysis. Right. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. Uh, my undergrad degree is mechanical engineering. But, uh, you know, when I, when I was going through my undergrad, you know, I was really into martial arts and weightlifting. And I never put two and two together that the stuff I was learning in my dynamics and statics classes could be directly applied into, you know, how do I lift more weights or throw a harder kick or things like that. And oddly enough, back when I was in fourth year, you know, I used to read a lot of like old school websites, Elite FTS, T Nation and whatnot. And they kept citing, you know, according to Dr. Stuart McGill from the University of Waterloo, he says this or that or this. And I kept seeing his name over and over again. And I was like, okay, obviously this uh, Stuart McGill character is, is very intelligent, we both go to the same school. I should just walk over and find him one day. And that's exactly what I did. I just, you know, got up one day, you know, when I, in my fourth year, when classes started to get a bit lighter, I just walked over to the Kin building, never been in there in my life before, walked in and knocked on his door. And we ended up having like a one or two hour discussion on like, you know, lifting because I was super into like the West side, uh, you know, conjugate method style lifting at the time. And uh, long story short, that turned into a volunteer experience, which turned into a master's degree. Um, and the interesting thing, you know, when I was in, in my master's program was, you know, we, our lab was very big, you know, obviously we're a biomechanics lab. So we do a, a lot of our instrumentation and data collection has to do with EMG uh, kinetics, like force plates and whatnot, as well as uh, kinematics, you know, human motion capture. So, you know, our lab has had one of these, you know, $100,000, multi-hundred-thousand-dollar motion capture systems 
always tell people, if you've if you ever seen the making of Avatar or Lord of the Rings and you see the actors wear all little dots on their body and you, know, the, you get the ring of cameras, that's yeah. what we have. And what I always told said was, this data is, is incredible because you can now quantify human motion down to like, you know, like 0.0001 millimeter. And, you know, all this clinically relevant data really allows us to better understand how the human body functions. The problem was, how do I get one of these or get the expertise of one of these into just everyday life? And it kind of, you know, coincides with when I was in grad school, I was also working as the head SNC coach at a local um, facility that trained a lot of hockey players. And, you know, they'd have the co-op students like FM, do the FMS on some on new athletes. They give you the report and I'm reading this going like, I don't really trust this. Um, you know, like you, you get, you get a, a new individual, like, like, like a new junior coach. Their, their subjectively trained eye may not be that of, say, like an expert or, you know, great cook himself. Um, so there's a lot of this, you know, inter-rater reliability subjectivity issue. Mm-hmm. So I was always like, you know, if we could only have, you know, a way to quantify how these people move, but I can just do it, you know, like that. You know, this would be a, a real win here. So coincidentally, I had a buddy of mine from the gym. The guy was a power lifter, uh, my, my, who's my now business partner. You know, like I think uh, he benched 405 for a double at 220 to give you an idea of what he was doing. But as well, he happens to have a master's degree in mechatronics engineering. Uh, so, you know, he's built uh, vision systems, you know, that, that detect pedestrians, street signs, things like that on car, on driverless cars and drones and UAVs. Wow. And he, thought, he told me that, hey, like, it is possible to do this, you know, like there are big advancements in this technical world that are now allowing us to capture human motion and quantify it just through basic cameras, you know, like, like, your, like your smartphone here. So this is what got us kicked off into, into the world of, of um, I guess move, movement analysis and tech startups. And that was, you know, the origin story of Fortius Health, you know, taking these two fields of, sorry, Fortius Labs rather, um, of taking these two fields of computer vision engineering taking that hardcore biomechanical data into how can I make the lives and the processes so much easier for SNC coaches, mm-hmm. personal trainers, gym owners, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. So for my listeners, so that if somebody hasn't seen your website, basically what, what an individual will do and correct me after this, if I'm, if I'm wrong, but you could film one of your clients with something as simple as your iPhone an iPad, anything that decent camera. And by the way, your iPhone uh, for those listening has a better camera than, almost anything else that you can afford to freaking own these days, right? Um, so I filmed that and then it can basically track the, the excursion, the range of motion of every major joint. And then it can compare those against normative values and say like, hey, this left shoulder is not flexing as much or that right knee is not uh, extending as much, blah, 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 blah. And then based upon that, make recommendations for what I would say rehab and or training based on what they are not able to do or they are able to do. Yeah. Did you have a good cap- capture of it there? You hit the nail exactly on the head. Um, great, cool. great job from getting all that just from that, that little video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Um, you know, you just stand in front of your camera, you, you do a series of motions mm-hmm. and you're exactly right. We can now provide a very in-depth 3d quantification, anything from joint angles, linear angular velocities, linear accelerator linear and angular accelerations hmm. and all this data, you know, being applied to then, you know, anything to do with, 
Um, is there limitations in range of motion? Are there drop-offs in movement velocity as fatigue incurs? Are there asymmetries between certain joints or the coordination between joints? But, how, how close are you? I mean, how many degrees like per second can you guys track up to? Like much more than the human body is ever capable of? Yeah, so uh, that, that, that's a great question. Uh, yeah. we, so we actually got this validated uh, in partnership with the Department of National Defense here in Canada, uh, you know, because they have a, a big, big need for human performance optimization. Uh, yeah. So uh, we tested this against what's known as an OptoTrack. So for those of you listening, you know, who don't come from that hardcore biomechanics world, you know, we take there's these big camera banks. We those of you who actually in, talk to, to, you know, women in high, in high school and college, like wouldn't know anything about these labs. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, man. Yeah. But, so you, yeah, it's like, so against the OptiTrack. Go ahead. Yeah. So long story short, where we came in like plus or minus five degrees to an OptiTrack motion capture system. We actually, in that same study, had an expert. Uh, I guess what you would call musculoskeletal assessor with a little with a goniometer measuring test mm-hmm. subjects as well. Uh, we came in plus or minus two degrees to the to the expert. Uh, so yeah, like it, it's it's looking good. And as well, there is going to be a paper coming out in the next I guess year or so, depending on publishing times, validating us versus a Delsis wearable system, also plus or minus five degrees. Uh, thanks to actually one of our great customers who just validated this just for fun. Wow. Okay. And so. Uh, being in the powerlifting world, I mean, how do I say this? Um, so a lot of the movements in powerlifting are pretty gross, non-complicated movements, right? They're, they're sagittal plane, both feet are on the ground, like deadlift, for example, both feet are on the ground and there's not a whole lot of cross body movement and there's not a lot of rotational forces. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically flexion, extension of multiple joints and stability of the trunk. Can you track other stuff? Can you get into rotation? Can you get into, say, a baseball swing, golf swing, things like that? Yeah, that, 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 that's exactly it. Like trunk rotations, hip yeah. and shoulder rotations, or rotations of the hip relative to the shoulder, for example. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, d- definitely. And, you know, it, and it's important as well. Um, yeah. what, what I have noticed in the industry, you know, within this world is a lot of competitors who are doing motion capture who don't have this backgrounds of, you know, biomechanics or, yeah. clini- or clinical uh, rehabilitation. They yeah. don't seem to get that rotation transverse plane mm-hmm. motions are insanely important uh, for this general human function. Well, like you said, like the subject, you know, like the inner rate of reliability, I- I'll tell you, you know, if you're running a, a, a golfer through a, a screen. And you want to look at the foot. Now you're not watching the trunk or you're looking at the trunk. Now you're not watching the, the hips or, you know, like, so we as humans have these failure points because of, you know, we get distracted by shiny objects. And if we're like, oh man, look at the pronation on the foot, then you're like, you, you might've missed the five degrees of compensation that went on in the cervical spine. And like, you know, that that's nothing against you. You might be a great raider or that might be where you want to focus, but it, that camera certainly has a little bit more objectivity to cover everything, you know, than the, the human eye does. Yeah, exactly. I can give you a case study of that uh, from one of, one of my own personal clients. So, you know, like outside of developing and selling the software, you know, to gyms and other businesses uh, as a proof of concept to show, you know, to show trainers, hey, you can make money just doing pure online work. And here's an example of how much money we made doing this is that I take my own personal clients, you know, we have our own outbound marketing campaigns, you know, our social media platforms and whatnot. And I have a client, I I can't say his name because he is a uh, 
special operations uh, selection candidate. So, you know, it was confidentiality. But he came to me because he had massive shin splints, you know, knee and ankle oh. pain. Uh, and he said that, you know, he saw, you know, a bunch of chiros, physios, uh, sports med doctors for six months. And they were saying, oh, you know, this is a hip problem or this is you know, a bit of a knee instability problem. Here's some, you know, terminal knee extensions to do. And no one could, no one could figure it out. And he was like, this, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not going to, you know, be able to, you know, continue working, continue my actual job if this, this lets up. Well, if he's so, an SF guy, he, he would have just pushed through. I mean, he could have driven a <laughs> spike through his knee and he would have pushed through. But I get your point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, like when push comes to shove, you know, they'll, they'll saw their own limbs off in order to yeah. win this beat you with it. <laughs> <laughs> I will win this fight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we ran him through our, our assessment through 40th. You know, I just booked him on a Zoom call just like this. I had him wow. go through a series of movements. And then the report that spit out said, hey, you have a foot stability problem. Interesting. And we could see it, like, you know, when, like, when, when we're combing through the data on this, you can see that when he's doing a dynamic inline lunge, as soon as that foot lands, boom, the whole tower just topples. Overhead squat, you can, you know, we're, we're telling him, keep your feet forward, don't let them move. And there's still, it's like, yeah, he described, like, feeling like on ice skates. Yeah. So, uh, so basically what the, re- what the report to the assessment told us through the software was, you got a foot stability problem. Let me, that is the number one area to concentrate. So now putting my trainer hat on, a lot of our work was then, you know, based around things like rolling out the feet, big toe mobility, gripping, learning how to grip the floor at the toes, that short foot posture. Uh, lo and behold, two weeks later, he came to me. He was like, I don't know what kind of duty you're doing on me, but like, this is the first time in six months, my knees don't hurt. And there we go. And ever since that, he's been one of our loyal customers, um, you know, because we found, once you get someone out of pain, you know, that that's like, that's like what, what, a, what an experience for them, you know, to go from chronic pain, you know, loss of quality of life, yeah. unsure of your future to like to, wow, this so, is what it feels like. Yeah. It's like, what, what a journey. So let's cover it for, for, again, for my listeners here, because I've, I've had the, the luxury of, of watching the video. So let's do this. If somebody wants a video or they want to kind of get in contact and see what the heck Fortius is all about, how do they get a hold of you? That, that's the first thing, or where can they see it? Yeah, so uh, if you go to our website, uh, which is fortiuslabs.com, uh, F-O-R-T-I-U-S hyphen L-A-B-S.com, you're able to see a demo video there. We have separate portals. So if you're, you know, if, you, if you're a coach, you know, that wants to grow your business, get a better service to your clients, we got one little portal for you to check out. If you're an individual and you yourself are feeling pain or want to optimize your performance, there's a separate portal for you there. Either way, you can get us get at us there to find our contact or just directly. You can email us. The email address is admin at fortiuslabs.com. Again, F-O-R-T-I-U-S hyphen L-A-B-S.com. That's awesome. So for those uh, who haven't yet seen it, I just want to explain it on this podcast. So what you do, like Ben said, you set up a Zoom call or anything you film, and then it asks you to do some basic motions. And then from that, it develops a report. And the report basically, how would you say it? It, it, it shows like a traffic light kind of idea per joint. It spits that out in real time almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, you, you, just, you just wait a bit and then this report yeah. is sent to you or your trainer. Okay. And, and you're right. Like, I think that, that's a great description. It's describing it like, like, like a traffic light system on a joint by joint and body. Right. Basis. So your, your SF guy had red lights at his feet. 
and causing other yellow and, and red lights throughout his body. Exactly. And the, the one little, this, the one additional thing we do, you know, because we have access to all this quantitative data is it's not just a singular light at the feet or the knees, but we can then break down each one of those lights in the quadrant. So we can tell you that, okay, this, are you experiencing pain? Yes or no? The severity is going to change the color of the lights. Is yeah. it a mobility problem? Is it a motor control problem or is it an asymmetry problem? You so think you can pull up a mobility versus motor control problem from a single camera? On, on a on a active person. Yeah. So that this this is where the where the innovation and creativity you know really gets about because you yeah. know as, as you know as, as a biomechanist only spends time in this field. I mean, essentially, what you the, said is you can palpate the difference between water and holy water. So this is pretty <laughs> incredible. So how do you do this? So it, it, this is all based on I suppose the algorithm or the okay. way that we quote unquote score or 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 assess you know the these these okay. quadrants. Yeah. You no, know, because I I've seen it a lot just from my own experiences. You know, like for example, I got another client. She's got frozen shoulders, extremely stiff neck, and all the personal trainers and physiotherapists she saw were basically doing passive stretches with her, just yanking on her shoulder, trying to get that range of motion, and she was like. Ow, this, this, this hurts. <laughs> so we, we ran her through the test. We found, okay, yeah, there is a significant mobility restriction. But we're also what we're also finding is as you start to approach your end range of motion, the graph shows it, it's not a smooth profile anymore. It's all jittery, you know, looks like, like, a, like a fuzzy caterpillar, I suppose, like the, the waveform. Yeah. Uh, so during that same session with her, what we did was took her through a test retest protocol. Real quickly, I just took her through, I guess, what I call a scapular wall push drill. I just have someone do, you know, go in a push-up position against the wall, lock the elbows, mm-hmm. and we're just working scapular retraction, protraction, working on kind of feeling yourself sink into your shoulder blades. Then we got her and, off. And was that recommended by the, the software said, hey, do this and then retest? So that was actually my, my, my own little doing. This okay. actually comes That's early, That's early on in right. our development cycle, but interestingly enough, that is exactly where it's going now is, yeah. you know, kind of going down to this, this cascade, um, you know, okay. very similar to, you know, how FMS leads to SFMA, you know, these yeah. little tests that occur, um, you know, this is, you know, kind of, this is our, our vision for how we want to do this. Okay. So, um, like, sorry. Uh, so you had her do the, the scap wall pushes. Yep. So we had her do that. Uh, I, I, we got some info, some feedback on her, some, how she felt subjectively, then we took her through the exact same just shoulder mobility test again. And we could show like on the grass pre post comparison after doing these scapular drills, all of a sudden, number one, she gained about 10 degrees range of motion of shoulder abduction. But the most important thing was when you looked at velocity profiles, that jittery jitteriness had basically worked itself out. So mm. I, I, I said to her, Hey, like, you know, the reason you're not getting better is that they're stretching you, but it's not a true mobility problem. You're most likely uh, lacking mobility because of an inability inability to control through that range. Mm. So as a result, she became one of my personal training clients. The programs we developed for her were all around uh, of getting stability through the, through, the, through the trunk, shoulder blades, shoulders and whatnot. Lo and behold, uh, she was saying that, you know, for the first time in like two years, she could actually like tie her hair up, like put, a, put her hair in a ponytail. So, you know, like the fact that we can relate it to, you know, these functional abilities um, it, is, it, is, is really interesting. But yeah, like um, this is one of the remedies is that, or this is one, one of the issues that we found was 
the ability to discern between these fine details and actually, you know, really break out and really dive deep into the root cause is a bit of a lost art, to be honest. And, you know, obviously one of my goals, because we have all access to all this great data, is to really, really try to add to the bricks of the wall of science, you know, to steal a Stu McGill term, um, you know, to ultimately, you know, help trainers and therapists, you know, do a better job with their clients. Yeah. Wow. Huh. I, this sounds like it's a lot more accurate than I assumed it would be. I mean, cause you know, like, so take the Microsoft connect, which is a video game system, single camera. And for those who aren't engineers and I, I'm, I'm, for all my clinician listeners, remember an x-ray where they always say like to have ac- accurate x-rays, you need at least 90 degree views, right? And, and one of that is just to make sure we're not getting some camera depth perception issues and, and that we're not getting funkiness in the, in the single point, right? I mean, a penny at the right place looks like a, a, a quarter. Its shadow looks the size of a quarter until you go from the side and then you realize, okay, it's not that big. So, so that's been a long principle for data capture, especially via video cameras. Hey, hey, you need 90 degree views. Or in your case with the biomechanic things or like I've used gears in, in golf and I have a K-Vest, like you, you want multiple data points to compare against. So the idea of just going to a single capture device on a single plane in a single point, AKA your single iPhone sitting there, not having to set up another iPhone 90 degrees the other way is a hurdle that I, I hope everybody appreciates that you guys got over. And, you know, who really pushed that forward early on was Microsoft with the Kinect. Like, hey, like you could use the single camera for, and it's funny when, (laughs) it's always funny to me when technology takes a leap based upon a certain market. And it's like, uh, hey, do you want to, you could put a a single camera system in every biomechanics lab in the world. And they're like, meh. All right, you could use a single camera system to go in the house of every kid on earth. We're in, let's build it. (laughs) And it's like, so but even the Connect, I mean, it's it's pretty old technology now. But even when it first came out, you could trick it a lot. Like it, it would, it was pretty good. It was amazing for its time, but it, it was nowhere near your expectation of say your your system that you guys were using, multi-camera reflectors, like dots and all that stuff. Like you could never make a movie with it, right? It would, but it was fun. It was it was useful. So is it just an advancement in technology? How the hell did you guys get to the point where you could reliably say, hey, this single camera is damn damn accurate um i'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't reveal any of our proprietary that's uh, fine yeah Uh, you're working with i mean if you're working with Stu mcgill he's not going to put up with like plus or minus 20 degrees right that's a useless product at that point yeah i mean yeah yeah, it just is like hey for what we're doing it's not enough so interestingly enough um what you mentioned with the connect um we know the connect very 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 well okay uh, because this was yeah as you described the first generation of markerless single camera motion capture. This was the first, the Kitty Hawk, right? The first flight, like, yeah, it's a bicycle and it's paper and all the <laughs> stuff, but it, it flew, like, yeah, it, it was awesome. Yeah, like, I, I remember, like, around that same time, you know, there are companies, and they're now defunct, you know, stuff, guys like Organic Motion, mm-hmm. who are doing these 22 camera markerless motion capture systems, but you have to pay, you know, like, an exorbitant amount of money for this that's not as accurate as a Vicon anyway, so if you're, it's the same price point as a Vicon, just go buy a Vicon. Um, so with the Connect, I remember that, you know, you could do, like, the Jillian Michaels fitness game, and she would yell at you through your TV. Yeah, she and yells was- at everybody for everything anyways, but... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole other yeah. discussion for another, for another podcast. Okay. But a, 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 anyways, um, you know, we we did a lot of extensive testing with it early on, and we found exactly what you described. It is garbage for 
biomechanical analysis. I mean, you could do very, very basic stuff like, like shoulder abduction, flexion, things like that. But if you want to get into like an active straight leg raise or an FMS mobility test from behind, ain't going to happen. And this is all because the connect is predicated on what you would call, and that's a very loaded term these days, machine learning technology. So what that means is a bunch of eggheads, I think it was over at MIT or, you know, one of the technical schools in the U.S., um, they, they were, you know, basically Microsoft bought their technology and they trained this algorithm to look at, you know, someone, you know, facing towards the camera, you know, moving primarily the upper body. So this is why a lot of Kinect video games need you to be looking forward within a five meter field of view. Otherwise, it, it's, it's going to break. So yeah. interestingly enough, in the past few years, the world of artificial intelligence has really exploded by leaps and bounds. Um, processing power, you know, when it comes to, uh, yeah, we'll say leave it at processing power and, and the cost to operate, you know, has really, have really been driven thanks to a lot of other tech, you know, ba- basic tech companies that are, you know, working the world. Yeah. Of, I mean, you look at you know, my processing. iPhone, iPhone now has that measure app. I don't know if you've done that where, you know, just will measure a distance uh, inherently and it's fairly accurate. And you're like, wow, that, that was literally impossible years ago. I mean, they used to pay guys, again, for military applications, like to get accurate measurements of devices from still photos, they'd be like, you know, and then to get it from active video capture was like, you know, me telling you like, hey, we're going to fly to Mars this afternoon. We'll be back by dinner. It's like, what? You know, it is crazy. So the fact that we can now do this with the iPhone and whatnot is super exciting. Um, yeah, so man, Ben, I got to say, like, I hope everybody listening realizes how, how far ahead you guys are. Because, you know, one of the things I think that's really, in my sense of putting this all together clinically, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, I've just dabbled in motion capture, I've dabbled in 3D biomechanics. When I was in college, I was up in Montana State, and we were uh, analyzing, doing video camera capture of the, the axle in figure skating. And I've told the story before, but the funniest thing was, you know, we had all the little reflector discs, you know, they're like the size of a quarter reflectors on these athletes and they were prepping for the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. So give you, that was, you know, a thousand years ago now. Anyways, we, I remember one woman, uh, she went to do an axle, which is like a spin off the ice and she comes down, she fell and we have it on video camera. And basically my job was, I was the little lackey in the lab. So my job was to all the, all the extra B-roll footage that missed the marker or whatever, I had to digitize it with the mouse. And it was so long ago, those people are over the age of like 40. I'll remember this. Mice used to have a rollerball in them. And I remember so many times our rollerball would get stuck and you know, you'd have to bang it on the table and all this stuff. Anyway, so this woman goes to, to perform an axle, falls on the ice and falls pretty hard. And she stands up and she reaches down onto her leotard and grabs one of those discs. It's like, it's these goddamn markers and threw it on the ice. <laughs> yes. The, the 0.00000002 ounces that that marker weighed definitely threw you off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, at that time we were like, we were trying to find cameras that could sustain 60 frames per second for multiple angles and track, you know, and that was our hurdle because everything filmed at 30 frames per second, which wouldn't give us accurate data. So to see it come along to this idea of like in your pocket, you can put this thing that's doing what it took us a lab full of people to do is unbelievable. So 
Anyways, uh, once again, share your website so people can check this out because I think this is pretty hot. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Our website is fortiuslabs.com, F-O-R-T-I-U-S hyphen L-A-B-S dot com. And yeah, we we got our demo right there. You can check it out. Um, But yeah, you know, smartphone-based, smartless motion capture, you know, this is really opening doors answering, you know, really adding again, you know, to use that Stu McGill term, bricks to the wall of science. Um, You know, I still recall, you know, one of the um, PhDs in our lab at the time when I was still working with Stu was, you know, he would hit one of his comments was the minute you bring a test subject into your lab, you've lost a significant or substantial amount of context uh, specificity to Mm -hmm. what you're going to test for. Because you're no longer in world environments. The guy's wearing all these markers on them. They've got the EMG electrodes. He knows the cameras that are watching him. So they're going to, you know, clean everything up, for lack of a better term. So immediately, this no longer becomes applicable to applying what you just studied into, you know, firefighters, factory workers, MMA fighters, what, what have you. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I, again, I work in the world of golf a lot. And uh, once you get into a 3D motion capture lab and it's like, hey, we're on perfectly flat ground with a very consistent grass that's fake, but it's very consistent. We know what we're hitting to. There's no wind. There's no sun in your eyes. You're, you're stone cold sober, which for most golfers is not a, a condition specific, you know? <laughs> and, um, and it's like your, your buddies aren't watching. And it's like, is this really capturing what we're looking for? But I agree. But the, what I was going to say earlier is I remember going to a seminar one time and it said, you know, chiropractors that shoot x-rays on every new patient visit typically make 40% more than those who don't 40% more in a year. And when you look at it, why is that? You know, we know that the, the usefulness of x-ray is not very high, especially initial visit. They shouldn't be used as a screening tool. Right. But why is that? And I think it comes back to this idea of psycho psychologically humans want an objective person in the room, an objective source of data in the room. And you just have a conversation around it. So many times people put up x-rays and point to gray spots and white spots and say, oh, you know, this could be the source of your pain or that could be, or do you see how these two things are lined up? Now, they could be totally lying through their teeth. I hope they're not, but they could be and probably get about the same results, right? Because inherently as humans, we believe, oh, that data is objective. That's not Dr. Lee's opinion. That's just how it is. And then MRIs are even a higher level that take a little bit more skill. And I've seen that if we can get, this is how I always see it. If, if I analyze a golfer, I would say that 70% of the time, they're going to buy a package from me. Like if I just go through the analysis process and I show graphs and circles, if I bring their coach in the room and their coach supports what I say, that's like 99% that they're going to grab it. And I wonder, is that just because they look at their coach as like an objective measure and say, if they're saying it's okay, then in fact, I do have these issues going on. And I look at it with this software with an iPhone and your software, I can offer that quote X-ray or MRI of movement, which we know is, has been impossible at this point. So MRI of movement with objective data, present it to the client and say, here's, here's our plan, blah, blah. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have to be an expert, right? Like I hope everybody's not listening to, oh, this is going to replace chiropractic. This is going to replace personal training. You still have to, I can tell you from 3D motion capture, it doesn't make the job any easier. It just makes it better informed. You still have to be an expert. In fact, it, you have to be better because now that computer is going to judge you and your interventions as well. So like that time you did the you know, wall push-ups with that woman to get effect, there was a good chance that didn't work. 
And you got to know where to go from there. And that's what also makes it kind of exciting to use these data capture technologies because it's like, you think you're good at intervention? Step up, pal. Like, <laughs> we're going to prove real quick if, if what you think works, works. And uh, I can just tell you, like, putting 3D capture equipment on a golfer, if their coach is there, I've, most of the time that goes really well. I've seen it where the the you have to be gentle in how you say it because a lot of times the instructor will say something that just doesn't match up with what you're objectively seeing. Like, oh, they're rotating right. And you're like, actually, the sensors clearly say we're going left. And you have to be delicate about those conversations, but they do occur because there is that like subjectiveness of our eyeballs, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah that was my long rant about how awesome this is. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your kind words. And you brought up a really good point I want to re- really reiterate, which is artificial intelligence is not going to replace anyone within our lifetimes. Uh, ain't going to happen um, because um, the way we look at it is AI is here to enhance the human. This is just a little add-on to make you, you know, whether you're a clinician, you know, you look at other types of AI, you know, which do natural language processing to help say um, letter, like um, document uh, word redaction for lawyers. Uh, You look at other types of AI, you know, for like, um, um, what's another example I can give? (laughs) Uh, Driverless cars, we'll say. Yeah. Um, I mean, driverless cars, a bit of of a a stretch there, but I mean, still um, not going to replace a human driver, um, no matter what, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos want to tell you. Um, But it's it's like an 80-20 thing, right? It'll replace, say, 80%. You could do 80% of the driving, but when it gets into very technical aspects, unstable services, or like, I would imagine that we'll still have humans when we get to things like cars needing to be parked in a certain format or a certain place at a dock or loading on a truck or, you know, in a movie scene or something like that, where you need interpretation of data, not just straight lines and circles. And and AI is really good at lines and circles and it's getting better at interpretation, but uh, it's not there yet, we'll just say. Yeah, like, you know, a great example of this is you ever use Google Maps in a parking lot before? Like, it, it ain't good. Uh, yeah. It is hor- horrible, horrible at getting you out of a parking lot. Yeah. And it's like, head west on this street. Well, like, what, what direction is west? Like, I need, to, I need some more help here, man. Uh, yeah. So and it's, like, it's the computer's thinking, everybody knows where west is. I, I, I have data points right now. And you're like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have access to this. Yeah. So like this is, you know, what we tell a lot of, you know, clinicians and, and trainers, which is, you know, this will, we look at this as a way to kind of offload your busy work, you know, like instead mm-hmm. of you standing there with your, with your little FMS checklist, you know, taking them through the movements, you know, you can basically triage them out of this, uh, for lack of a better term, get your report with your data saying, okay, here are your clients, um, big, you know, our big observations, here are the exercises we'd recommend maybe you hold off for now because they're too limited, but here are exercises we would recommend that you do do in order to help improve upon the limitations that we found. Mm-hmm. So we look at this as it's not just, you know, trying to improve your quality, but also trying to, you know, free up your most precious asset, which is time. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like, uh, you guys aren't, I'm going to guess, but you're certainly not saying don't step back and reanalyze a joint. If you think it is a motor control issue, not a mobility issue, like grab it and passively move it. Like, and you know, like it's, that's just part of the, the part of like, like I've done that with my 3d motion when I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I will physically grab the sensor 
and I'll move it in a known direction and say, is it pick, is it the sensor or is it this player? And you always have to do that. Just like with MRI and X-ray and everything, you have to like set against a standard every once in a while. So nobody's saying not to do that, but this does save a lot of time. And also, you know, one of the things I love about the SFMA and the FMS is at its very core, it's a checklist, right? Let's just check that you can lunge both directions, that you can squat, that you can step over an object, that you can challenge your core rotationally, challenge your core extent in, in extension, right? Just going down that checklist, as you know, most people, it, it may not have mattered, but in 20% of the people, it matters a lot. And if you don't have those checklists, that 20% never gets captured. With the SFMA, I look at, you know, if somebody comes in with neck pain, I'm looking at the shoulders because they can play a large role in them, right? I look at the thoracic spine because it can play a large role in that cervical spine instead of being a, a human and getting so emotionally entrenched in that cervical spine problem that I never step back and look at the entire organism. And that's what your system is allowing us to do, right? Is like, hey, maybe nobody's ever looked at this person's feet, like with your special forces guy, right? Like, you need to look at the feet. And it's like, oh, wow, when we do that, we see a huge, you know, huge change. Yeah, like hit the nail on the head there exactly. You know, I think it's going back to one of your earlier points, you know, as humans, our perceptual like motor skill is only, only so good, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I reckon if I can give you like a, like a total, you know, the full body picture of here's what's going on, you know, it can really start to connect the dots, so to speak. Like, you know, kind of putting my engineer's hat back on. One thing that, that, that you know, kind of blew my mind when I first learned it, you know, back in the third year of school was the idea of kinetic linkages and how, you know, motion in one joint may affect motion of another joint. I mean, you see this like in, in like mechanical examples, uh, 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 the piston of a car engine is the perfect example. You know, the crankshaft is a pure rotational uh, kinetic motion, but it's dry, but it's the, but you got, you got the piston attached to that. And that's that rotation is now driving a linear mm -hmm. motion, just like how rotation of the shoulder joint is going to drive linear translation of the fist. If you're going to punch someone in the face, <laughs> for example. Um, but to going back one step further to what you just said was, yeah, you know, when, when we're so entrenched in just looking at one specific part of the body, it takes away from that idea of, you know, the body is a, is a holistic sum of these kinetic yeah. linkages. Okay. So by drawing connections, I mean, our AI showed that, okay, this fellow, when he's doing his dynamic lunge, his trunk is all over the place. But it would be remiss of me to call that a trunk instability problem if I could connect the dots to show that, okay, well, the hips, knees, and ankles are all over the place as well. So maybe those have something to do with his trunk instability. Um, yeah. So, but you know, that's okay. um, adding that so, little. Let me take a break real quick, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little sponsorship live read here, but also Ben, I do want to cover one other aspect because we're talking about the analysis mostly, but you do offer interventions like exercises based on what the movement is. Right. So after this, I just want to brush over those. So people realize, Hey, it's going to spit out a list of recommendations to give you a starting point. Uh, you know, like we still got to apply it, wear our clinical hat and go, hey, is this really the right approach? Um, but again, I think that's because uh, if the computer brings up an uh, intervention that you never even thought of, hopefully you go, ooh, that could refine my model here, you know? So real quick, I want to say that this this podcast is sponsored by Clinic Gym Connect. Clinic Gym Connect is an amazing software in itself and it really helps with client communication. There is no replacement for clear, concise communication in the clinical setting. Without it, I think it's it's one of the pillars of you got to have great diagnosis, you have great treatment, you got to have great communication. And if you're lacking communication, the other two sometimes are not nearly as effective. 
So Clinic Gym Connect allows us to connect with our clients in the way that they talk to everybody in their life, which is through text messaging. Stop with the emails, people. <laughs> like you don't email your mom to say, I love you. Don't email your patients to send information, collect information, treat them like they treat everybody in their life, which is through text messaging. So it allows you to do text messaging. And because we do text messaging, we can text out requests for Google reviews. We can check, test out uh, or send appointment confirmations. We can send surveys to collect more information about them and a whole host of other ways we can collect information to expand your business, your office, and start connecting with people, which is one pillar of a great business. So if you're interested, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, clinicgymconnect.com or hit me up and ask for a demo. I'd be happy to give you a demo of our software and show you how awesome it is. So with that, back to Ben. So Ben, interventions, what do you guys got? Yeah. So uh, as of right now, all of our recommendations are in a form of basically exercises and movements. Uh, you know, like I really like the approach that guys like yourself, you know, Craig Liebenson really take, which is the idea of, you know, you, you don't want to scare your your clients into, you know, not moving and not doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that that's, that's one, of, one of the worst things. I can think back actually my own grandmother, um, you know, she lived in Malaysia, you know, where quality of health healthcare ain't quite the greatest. <laughs> uh, and when she broke her hip. Yeah, um, it's sunlight and water and that's about all you get, right? <laughs> Basically, and you know, she she broke her hip, and the doctor was like, "All right, well, just stay in bed. Here's some painkillers. Hopefully, this thing just goes away." And you know, that's what that's what led to her her downfall, unfortunately. Uh, So, you know, when I when I saw Craig posting all that, you know, all this type of, um, you know, this that the antithesis of that mindset, I thought, "Wow, this is amazing!" And that's the approach we take as well with you know with with how we look at this. Um, In fact, um, this was actually um, one of the topics of or sorry, rather related to the topic of my master's thesis, uh, which was then converted into one of the chapters in Craig's textbook in real in rehabilitation of the spine, chapter 19, actually, the quote-unquote periodization of a torso stabilization program, but something, something, it's, it's a bit of a long title, but basically, you know, how can you use exercise to enhance spinal stability? And that was the big thing is that, you know, one of the big principles that we, that, uh, that we consider is that ultimately stability is what drives any kind of motion. You know, whether you need to improve your flexibility or mobility, underlying stability is always going to be the, what, what, what controls that. And when I use the term stability, it may get lost. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a loaded term in this world as well. But I use the term stability as, you know, looking at it from an energetics or engineering standpoint, you know, where, for example, like I'm sitting in my chair right now, for me to successfully stand up out of this chair and go walk to say, use the bathroom, I need the requisite ankle, knee, hip, uh, spinal stability so that when I stand up and exert force to it, it's not going to buckle under, under, under load. And, you know, one of the best ways to coax this, you know, is through motor control and your, and, and these exercises. So what we offer uh, in our suggestions are, ju- are just a giant repository of exercises that are customized to the conditions, you know, that, that, are, that are the issues that are found. So for example, if the individual's profile shows that they are lacking, I don't know, um, hip, hip motor control, and there's an asymmetry as a mobility asymmetry to left to right. Well, there's going to be a whole whack of exercises that we list out there. You know, like, I don't know what the technical terms really is, but I call them the single leg wall drill, you know, a lot of like 99, like a shin box drills and, and, and whatnot. 
Uh, but the idea is we're trying, we're creating this graded progression of, I guess, um, families of exercises uh, so that when the individual or the client undergoes a reassessment, it'll, it can say, okay, well, well, based on this assessment compared to the last one, your total body score improved by 15% and your hip mobility increased by 22% or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so based on those findings, we now recommend that you upgrade this hip exercise into the next uh, iteration of the hip exercise. Yeah. So, we I call it the buckets approach. Like if you think about the 10 buckets of exercise, horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull. And then I, I love the idea. I just actually gave a presentation for um, a, a conference called Axis all about organizing all these. Because I think to be a great, uh, a great clinician or great trainer, you got to have an encyclopedia of exercise. But that's, that's like graduating high school, I'll say, is just learning a bunch of exercise. What actually is the collegiate level, I think, is organizing and then putting them in the into those buckets. So these are all say squatting pattern or single leg deadlift exercises that they're, you know, the essence of these and then organize them into, like you said, graded progression. Like, Hey, now that Ben's excellent at this for 12 reps, let's bump him up to this next exercise. And we're only going to go eight reps, but it's a much more challenging exercise, blah, blah, blah. And then if you can compare that against what you're trying to go for, I think that's when you become a master level trainer. Yeah, uh, I really like that term you use, buckets. Uh, it reminds me of my own therapist, and shout-outs to my chiropractor, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Don Ray Wan, at Trinity Health Collective, Brampton Muay Thai. Um, uh, it, it's a long story. I, I've torn both my quad tendons, uh, my triceps, and my, my rotator cuff, and it's a whole whack of issues. But the way even you know that we approach my own therapy is what we call base positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like how competent are you, you know, for example, at getting up from some supine lying, prone lying, squatting, lunging, all these, you know, the buckets you described, yeah. you know, same thing, just just different description. Uh, but, uh, but it's interestingly enough, what you described as well was the idea of graded progression. That's actually what motivated my entire master's thesis in the idea of a quote unquote periodization of, re- of rehab exercises. Because, you know, when I was doing my lip review, I, I said to Stu that, hey, like, one thing I'm noticing is that, you know, they're running people through these 8, 12, um, you know, 16-week intervention programs, and they're doing the same damn exercises every day with zero progression, no change in the rep, set rep scheme, intensity, right. loading, type of exercise, and it's like, oh, well. Or, and no assessment of their baseline. Like, I always <laughs> laugh at these interventions, like, oh, we had them do, you know, whatever, uh, a one-minute plank. Well, what if that dude came in and he could already do a two-minute plank? And that's part of yeah. the problem. Like you doing a one minute plank is not an intervention at that point. It's a day off. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it, you end up just detraining the guy and, and then you start to wonder. And when you write your results, it's like, well, the, the group that did a one minute planks uh, actually got worse. So therefore planks do not help with trunk core endurance. And it's like, great. Well, this completely flawed study to begin with, um, right. which something I got to rant about for a second here, because yeah. especially, you know, with, 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 with COVID recently, I've noticed, you know, a lot of so-called, you know, people in the fitness industry will denote themselves infectious disease experts now. Uh, and they'll, you know, I love the term, do your research, you sheep. Uh, <laughs> and it, it gets down just scientific literacy. And like, this is why I'm a big proponent of teaching everyone, you know, just 
how to read a paper, how do you discern the, how do you like discern the methods? How do you like hone your bullshit detector so you're not being yeah. taken by some by some quack trying to sell you some snake oil, you know, to prevent COVID yeah. or you know, um, you know, or fix or you know, put on some magic bomb to fix your low back. Yeah. Uh, but just, well, uh, just we see it all the time in like exercise for rehab, like they're like, oh, exercise uh, was equivocal for uh, these patients who also experienced headaches or neck pain and he- so neck pain clearly benefits from exercise, neck pain and headaches questionable, right? And then you go, well, what what were the exercises? And you look and you're like, dude, the- if you, it's like doing heavy barbell shrugs and then saying, yeah, their neck was still tight, like, <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> You're like, look at the methods, please. Anyways, yeah. I mean, papers can reveal so much more than than the abstract ever. It's it's really like watching the trailer of a movie versus reading uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings. You know, watching the trailer of that movie gives you base level insight. But again, going back to that time factor, I wish there was enough time to read all that research, and that's what all slows us down, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I really got to give more credit to, to Stu McGill here, um, you know, because he, 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 I mean, I spent a lot of time working under him. He taught a lot of mm-hmm. courses in that book. And two of the big things he taught us uh, was uh, when you read in a paper, like, understand, like, what, what you're reading here. Like, you're not just reading this, trying to get data out of this. But as you described, looking to see, like, you know, are, are the methods valid for what, for the populations I'm applying this to? What does this actually mean to the overall bigger picture of human health and performance? You know, like one of the complaints we have in the academic world is, you know, the concept of a least published, sorry, rather, least publishable unit, LPU, which is that some, you know, some egghead in a lab wants to get his reputation out, so he's got to publish papers. So they just do a bunch of, you know, they, they break apart their studies into what they consider a least publishable unit, basically enough science to get to that shows statistical significance to get it published in some journal so they can add it to their CV. And unfortunately, you know, this does like a, a big disservice. So, you know, when we're looking at a lot of these, a lot of these papers, it's often like, what does this actually mean to the, to the general public or, you know, to someone with low back pain or, you know, or wants to be a better athlete. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's one of the big things, but like just going back to one of the points you mentioned before about, you know, when you, when you were in school and you're putting like the little reflective discs on, on, the, on the figure skaters, it reminds me, you know, in a course we took that 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 Stu taught uh, with Kin Six Eleven, history of biomechanics. Uh, we actually spend a bit of time going through the history of biomechanics, going all the way back to times of antiquity, and you know how they viewed the human body, and how, as we talked about before, leaps in technology have then allowed us to understand more about how the human body works. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, at it, you know, back when going back to say the Middle Ages, you know, when, um, you know, uh, when religion, you know, really ran supreme over how people do things, it was considered, I guess, like a sacrilege or a sin to actually cut open a body and desecrate it after it dies. So then the ability, you know, to actually study the human anatomy is just non-existent. Uh, so did all yeah. these crazy theories about, oh, there, you know, there, there's, you have too many ghosts in your bones. This is why you're sick. Right. <laughs> well, it, it's it, when I was in that same class, like, um, uh, I think it was Deb King was my instructor. I think she was bringing up this point. She was, so she graduated Penn. So this is back in like 2000. So she had graduated Penn, let's say 20 years before that, 1980, 85 in that area. Well, we were just coming out of the Cold War, right? And she brought up an interesting point that during the Cold War and, and especially when communism was reigning supreme in the USSR, one of their scientific tenets of human research was 
would not pass the IRB standards for the United States or Canada, which is you don't know what maximum is until like, you don't know how close to the edge of the Grand Canyon you can get until you fall off. And until you do, you're not getting there. So she showed us this paper where it'd been translated from Russian. It was like published in like 1967 or something. And it was about the depth jump, you know, the depth jump. So like jump off a 30 inch box land and jump onto a, um, so it was in meters. So it was like jump off a one meter box land and land and jump onto a 0.5 meter box. So roughly 18 inches, right? So just picture in your mind an 18 inch high box. I mean, you guys use metric in Canada, right? So you, you'll understand this, but just get an idea. So then they said, okay, well, that's one meter. Let's go up to two meters, three meters land, jump onto this 0.5 meter box. And if you look at the results table of all these quote unquote subjects, which I'm convinced were convicts, like they got a day <laughs> off of prison for this. Every single one of them was like this descending stair step of like the roughly DNF, like could not complete another round. And there's a notation she highlighted in there at, during the translation that says at five meters, the subjects needed to be pushed to continue with the study. Now, do you mean oh, psychologically right. pushed or do you mean physically pushed off? So go to a five meter platform. You're talking like 16 or seven feet, 17 feet in the air. And I'm going to say, Ben, jump off, land on both feet and then jump onto a box. Like no wonder everybody's DNFing and their point was like their belief or their point was you don't know what the human body can do until you're getting to a point where basically both of their quad tendons tear <laughs> and they're laying on the ground before they can get up onto that box. And they had the same idea about like sprint, um, uh, sorry, max heart rate. Like, what do you think a max heart rate is? What are we trained to believe it is in the US and in Canada? Yeah, like, it's, like, it's like 220 minus your age or whatever like that. Crazy it's a rough thing or like 240 minus five. Like, will these things drive up your max heart rate? So anyways, it's just a much different, uh, what do you call it? It's a much different intervention or a much different scale when those things occur. But it was just, funny that she presented that in, in these research things. Um, she presented that in the, in the research methods to realize like some people's belief is, is different than others. So anyways, that was, uh, while you were gone, Ben, you cut out, but I, uh, I was just talking about these, you know, max heart rate, what you believe versus max heart rate. If I'm shooting at you or, or get, you're getting chased by a rabid dog, like you may get a couple extra beats out of your heart. So, anyways all right well ben we got to wrap this up we're up against uh up against the clock but once again can you share the website so people can get a hold of you and check out your product here yeah definitely we are at fortiuslabs.com f-o-r-t-i-u-s hyphen l-a-b-s.com go up there to check out our demo you can contact me there to learn more and, and if you want uh shoot me an email uh, our contact is there, but it's admin at 40s-labs.com. And I'll do a live demo for you. Sweet. All right. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure talking about this and it's very exciting, not just for what you're doing, which is incredible, but also, man, what you guys are opening the doors to is, is unbelievable. I mean, this has been the, um, what do they call it? This is the, uh, the, the albino zebra with wings or something. The albino <laughs> pegasus of, of human research is markerless single camera system. Like, that is un, has been unattainable and you guys are making it attainable. So I'm very excited for people to check this out. Uh, and with that, on behalf of Ben Lee, this is Dr. Josh Saturday saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Ben. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by ClinicGymConnect.com. ClinicGymConnect.com. Now, if you want to grow your practice, add a gym, provide great customer service, whatever you want to do in your clinic or in your gym, Clinic Gym Connect can help you do it faster, easier, more efficiently, and make your patients and clients fall in love with you. So just check it out at ClinicGymConnect.com.